Hello, and welcome to the Autism News Network podcast. My name is Dr. Frampton Gwinnett, and I'm joined today by Dr. Cam Mateus, who is an internal medicine doc and a psychiatrist here at the Medical University of South Carolina. We appreciate you joining us today for this special episode of the podcast, which is part three of our coronavirus update. So, Dr. Mateus, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Gwinnett. It really is an honor to be able to be a part of this experience. Yeah, this coronavirus series actually originated because of a conversation you and I had, I guess last Friday, um, about the kind of the details of how coronavirus infects patients, how it's spread, how we protect ourselves from it in the medical field, um, the way we test for it. And so here we are a week later recording our third podcast, and we're happy to have you here. So thanks for coming in. It is great to be here, and uh, I'm happy that we're able to sit down and address this important issue that's going on in our times. Yeah, and so we are actually getting three doctors for the price of two today um, because you have double training. Can you tell the audience, first of all, like what is what does it mean to be med psych? Oh, that's a very good question. I get that question asked all the time. It's one of those combined dual residency programs. Basically, you have to split your time in your residency between two different departments. In my case, it's internal medicine and psychiatry. It is a five-year program, and at the end of the five years, I will be board eligible to be able to sit down for my psychiatry as well as my internal medicine boards. Yeah, so you went to med school, and then those five years are after med school. That's correct, sir. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so he, he really knows his stuff, so we're thrilled to have him here, um, and hopefully this will be a real treat for our listeners, and we're going to dig in now to some of the new developments in coronavirus. So, um, Dr. Mateus, how shocked were you when you heard about the following cancellations? NBA, NCAA tournament, both men and women's, NHL, and Major League Baseball all have suspended their operations. Do you feel like, like what's your reaction? Well, initially, Dr. Gwinnett, when I heard that there was this big outbreak of the coronavirus that was happening out of China, I thought, well, what are the chances that it's going to make a meaningful, significant impact in the States? And I think that it really hit it home for me when I finally heard from the news that all these major uh, sporting leagues were canceling all their events. It really brought to light that this is something that we should definitely take take note of. Yeah, absolutely. And um, are you a believer in the idea that social isolation and, and these preventing these large gatherings, do you feel like it's going to have an impact? Absolutely, sir. I think by limiting the amount of exposure to people who could be contagious with the virus will definitely limit the amount of spread and will definitely help us improve our public health. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really some tragic data coming out of Italy where they have over 15,000 active cases now and over a thousand deaths in Italy and there's some concerns that despite the government's warnings like a lot of those self-isolating and social isolating precautions were not followed early on and now they've really got a terrible situation on their hands. And I think that kind of speaks to our culture here is that we really want to take things seriously and make sure that we're able to control the outbreak as best as we can and closing down some of these major events is uh, one of the ways that our government and our, our state institutions are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And to give the audience um, an idea of the situation in the United States, um, our total cases have shot up to 1629. So that's 1,629. And that's per the CDC. Um, an interesting thing happened where the CDC actually leapfrogged Johns Hopkins in terms of the number of cases they're confirming. So we're over 1,600 cases, 41 deaths. And here in South Carolina, um, we've been relatively unscathed, but we sit at 12 cases. When I recorded our first podcast in this series one week ago, we had zero. 
So we've gone from zero to 12 in a week. And um, we earlier before the show, we talked about trying to anticipate where we'll be 10 to 12 days from now. What are your thoughts if you had to predict? Well, the, the biggest thing, Dr. Gwinnett, is that we can't really have confirmed cases if we don't have any test kits. Mm-hmm. So now that our state government and our, our hospital institutions in the state of South Carolina are getting more test kits and are, have the ability to screen and test more people, I anticipate that the numbers of people who are confirmed COVID-19 um, will increase. Yeah. And with that, it it will probably start to look more higher than like the good 20s or 30s of patients in the next couple of days i would should, should expect yeah or maybe even higher yeah absolutely um so we have been um kind of watching this closely um in south carolina like it really hasn't hit home yet but we do have shortages of things like paper towels and toilet paper that's definitely you know playing itself out um, but we haven't seen like the full impact, like what we call like that peak panic here in South Carolina yet. Um, one of the ways that our local authorities are trying to test people is virtual visits. And do you know much about those? Have you heard about them? Yes. Um, it's a very interesting program in that in a way to kind of limit the exposure of sick patients in our ambulatory clinics, MUSC has developed, developed a virtual care system where they can have people log on to the internet Uh, put in a code so that they can log in and um, through their health insurance they can have a virtual visit with a COVID-19 provider that will screen them for symptoms and then from there if they screen positive for the right symptoms they will be offered a test where they can come over to our west campus Mm -hmm. in West Ashley and they'll have a system set up where you can drive through and have a, a swab of your of your nose or your throat yeah and get those tests sent off to see uh, if you truly are a COVID-19 candidate. Yeah. And that drive-through aspect is actually both are kind of genius because I think the virtual visit uses artificial intelligence and kind of decision-making based on the patient's clicks. And then the drive-through, um, for obvious reasons, you can be screened and not have to endanger either care providers or other people waiting in line to be screened. So that's I'm optimistic about that. Again, it's another measure to, to kind of limit the contagion of this virus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we wanted to take advantage of your expertise because um, we have a unique opportunity here. And, you know, without, you know, maybe painting the picture too dark, but what if somebody were to get COVID-19 and they would reach end stage, like how does the the virus progress in the body, like in a, you know, in a catastrophic way? Well, in many ways, Dr. Gwinnett, as healthcare providers, we don't know exactly how this virus progresses in the, in the body, but we are seeing a lot of cases um, where we do have people who develop severe respiratory distress. Um, we have symptoms that start maybe three days into the, the virus um, of, you know, they're on one liter of a supplemental oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then in the next couple of days, they can progress into severe respiratory failure. Now, the people who kind of develop this, um, we still don't have a strong sense of um, how this progresses or who will progress in this manner, but we're getting a sense that it's targeting more of the older uh, older people and also people with significant comorbid medical disease such as cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. hypertension, diabetes, and not surprising, respiratory disease. Yeah, so if you go in to this uh, epidemic with underlying medical conditions, you're at higher risk. And then age is also a factor, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we're seeing a higher proportion of people greater than the age of 80 who 
can develop some very severe consequences, including death with this disease. Yeah, and do you feel like there's anything inherent about being old, or is it just that older people tend to have more, you know, secondary medical conditions? Uh, it could be a little bit of both, Dr. Gwinnett. It could be a, a bit that their immune system is not as robust and not yeah. able to fight some of the multi-organ failure that can happen with this disease. Something that's also really notable to point out is that patients that have been admitted to ICUs in Washington State, we're trying to find out a lot of our data from areas in our part of the country or other parts of the world that have already kind of suffered from this virus. We're seeing patients who develop uh, myocardial, uh, sorry, uh, heart failure from this disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know exactly the exact mechanism. Um, uh, we're still trying to gather data with any kind of inflammatory markers like yeah. C-reactive protein, collecting troponins and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not exactly seeing a myocarditis type picture, picture but we are watching people's um, ejection fractions or the efficiency of the way their heart is pumping right. kind of drop over time. And that is very concerning because it's not a straight respiratory failure kind of picture either yeah yeah so there's a lot to think about so people with heart conditions hypertension diabetes blood you know, breathing problems uh you might have heard of copd if you're in the audience you know smokers you know all these things can add up and make it more dangerous absolutely yeah um well i wanted to pivot now and just talk about since the last podcast on tuesday there have been multiple uh, public figures who have tested positive for COVID-19, um, including Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. And have you seen any pictures of them? I have. Uh, yeah. They posted a couple pictures on Instagram, and yeah. I think they're sending a, a optimistic message out to yeah. the world. And I think that's good. Yeah, and th- I, I do too. They look great. They said they're getting excellent care. They're in Australia. Um, and they're also, they, they've kept their sense of humor intact. Um, I read a tweet from Tom Hanks just moments ago, and he said, you know, we're hanging in there basically, and, you know, we're ready one day at a time, but we're ready for anything. And he said, no matter what happens, remember, there's no crying in baseball, you know, from one of his old movies. Um, So, you know, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson are kind of, uh, they're in a great position to hopefully reassure the public that people are recovering. Um, Not everyone passes away from this, and yet it's a, a sobering reminder to be prepared. And on the other hand, Dr. Gwinnett, we're seeing on Facebook like posts about Betty White and her. She's 98 years old and she's fine and yeah. she's out and uh, doing and doing her thing. And oh, that's cool. So I think I think it's really reassuring that it's not necessarily yeah. targeting just because you have an older age yeah. that it's targeting that population. That's right, man. Betty White, she just keeps on ticking, huh? Yeah, absolutely. She is great. And then politically, we saw. Um, well, first of all, there's been some deaths of Iranian leadership. Um, over in the Middle East, and then the Prime Minister of Canada, his wife just tested positive, and so she's in isolation, and he is as well. Um, and there's been some um, visitors to Washington in the White House who have been in peripheral contact with the president who have subsequently tested positive. So um, it really brings the question of like, how contagious are people, and when are they contagious? Like, are you contagious? for the two weeks before you show symptoms or the, the whole month after you recover? You know, do we have a beat on that yet? Uh, we're still gathering some data on that, and I yeah. think it what, most of it's showing that people can be asymptomatic for a mean time period, about five days, mm-hmm. which kind of makes this virus a little bit more scary because you could be around someone that looks well right. and they could actually ha- you know, be shedding virus. Yeah. Um, so it's just be very helpful to kind of get a better sense of how quickly people can 
can develop symptoms and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you were seeing a patient in your office and they were you know, really worried about it, your recommendations as a doctor for your patients would, uh, in terms of protecting themselves would be to do what? Uh, I would tell them to uh, limit their amount of social gatherings around other people, um, especially any crowds greater than 100 people, uh, making sure that they wash their hands. Um, I've heard the happy birthday song could be helpful to make sure that you adequately wash your hands in enough amount of time. Um, if they are, are sneezing or coughing, to make sure they cover their face. If they have tissues around, just cover their face with their tissue. Um, and then keep at least a six-foot distance from any nearby person as much as possible to kind of limit any kind of spread. Um, there have been some data that suggests that the spread of the virus is really droplet precautions. So you have to have someone who's like sneezing on you or has recently sneezed on a surface and the virus can live up to nine hours on the surface mm -hmm. for you to be able to acquire the virus. Okay. Um, so we're getting more information on that and that that's reassuring in some ways, in some ways not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in terms of that distance, you mentioned earlier before the podcast that this is having an impact on families, especially for let's say elderly patients or senior citizens who are used to having their younger family members visit them frequently. Uh, what did you mean by that? Yeah, a lot of institutions, uh, nursing homes or hospitals, rehab facilities are closing off uh, their visitations um, yeah. to outside family members just to uh, help to limit the spread of the virus and in such a way it maybe can have a psychological impact on the loved ones who are already estranged from their homes or their uh, normal environments and they're so used to having a familiar face come to visit them weekly um, that could definitely have a psychological impact on our on our on our community and the, the people who no longer have their family members and loved ones coming to visit them yeah um, absolutely and in your psychiatry clinics have you you know in a very general way have you noticed a higher level of anxiety or awareness with respect to the virus no, not really yet. Uh, we haven't really encountered a lot of exacerbation in terms of anxiety disorders, or specifically obsessive compulsive disorder in the yeah. psychiatry clinic yet. Um, what I have noticed is that patients have been more mindful about not shaking hands with their providers or you know keeping their distance, and I thought that was uh, very altruistic of them to kind of keep that in mind right. as we're considering what's going on in our yeah. world. Yeah, and for those folks who are here in South Carolina or outside of the state, life is very much going on mostly as usual here with some extra precautions um, but we are watching closely and I think ready for, for the worst you know if it if it happens but we're praying for the best um, so yeah if, if you're a listener please uh, stay tuned to our um, updates we anticipate we'll be recording again within a few days um, I wanted to thank Dr. Mateus for coming in and his last name is spelled M-A-T-E-U-S cool yeah, and um, I wanted to be sure I pronounced that correctly, too. So it's Mateus, and uh, he is really um, a valuable resource for us here in the Department of Psychiatry because he has that extra training in internal medicine. Um, so we wanted to thank the audience for listening. My name is Dr. Gwinnett. You can follow me at Dr. Gwinnett. That's D-R-G-W-Y-N-A-T-T-E on Twitter and Instagram. We thank you for listening to the Autism News Network podcast and look forward to joining you next time.